Hello everyone and welcome to the Soul Medicine Festival podcast with me Alex. Today I've got Nova and Ryan, the heart shaman. Really excited for this podcast. Um, a lot of the podcasts I do is over Zoom. So it's really nice to be in person, feel each other's energy. It's a lot more personal. And uh, before I start, I just want to shout out Jake. We're in Purito. Um, it's a vegan burrito shop on the Starbridge High Street and he's rented this out, his podcast space for today. So thank you, Jake. And if any um, podcast hosts or ever out there uh, need a space, and highly recommend coming here. So welcome, Ryan, first of all. Thank you very much, Alex. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time out to come and speak to me. And I know how busy you are, especially you've got the festival coming up so soon as well. So uh, thank you. Yeah, it's all go. But when uh, when you mentioned the podcast, really excited me. So I thought, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So yeah, without further ado, we spoke about this before, <laughs> we said we're going to get straight in there, no messing around. Um, so yeah, I know you've had a very dramatic life, so would you like to tell us your kind of backstory and how you became the man you are today? Becoming. <laughs> <laughs> it's never really a finished journey, I guess. Um, I think it's, many of us have all had different experiences, and I think it's important to understand that all of us have had difficulties and what the difficulties are is dependent on who you are and what your level of skill is to that. And it's like, you know, when we think about somebody who finds, I mean, I've just started running this week, so I'll use this analogy at this moment, but, you know, I've just started to run. And for me to run five miles, that's difficult. But for somebody else, you know, you're a very fit man, Alex, you might be able to do it, but for somebody else, that's really easy. So our level of understanding of difficulty depends on the person. Nobody experiences life and pain the same. So it's really important to kind of understand that, that it's not about saying mine's more than anybody else's or anybody else's more than mine. It's just understanding that level of that it can be difficult in our own way. So where did my journey start? Now, obviously, uh, I'm here, so it meant I was born. (laughs) And I was, for those of you who don't know, I was actually born dead. Now, it's believed within shamanism that to become a shaman or down that particular road is that you should have some kind of like near-death experience. And I can't really say if that has made a difference to my life, but I've always been a little bit different. I've always thought differently. Um, and it's amazing, really, how my perception on world, on the world is just... It's just completely different than everybody else's. And So even, like, at primary school and things, you felt different? You felt a bit kind of... Like yeah, abs- absolutely. My nan and granddad, they were, they were Jehovah's Witnesses. And I remember... This is an example I share to most people. Um, but... We were on the way to go to the meetings. Now I was waiting for my nan to come back in from her like third wee <laughs> so we could actually leave. And so I sat in the car on my own waiting for my granddad to shove my nan out the door. And I remember sitting there and I just had this real realisation that nobody else existed and there was only me here. And it was a really profound thought that I was having and I didn't really understand exactly what that meant. And now, obviously, the, the shamanic path, as we say, has you know, come and found me. It's kind of amazing, really, how I've recognized that we're all from that one consciousness energy. And in theoret- theoretically, there is only me here, you know, and because everybody's a reflection back of each other. So it's really amazing, like, those unique thoughts that I've had as a kid 
and you know sitting in the car waiting for my granddad again uh, maybe the hope Jehovah's Witness stuff opened me up at that point um, I really don't know but I remember sitting in there and I remember talking to the rain and asking the rain to come more and stuff like oh, that in the car. And that was a really magical experience. And it's not something I've ever shared with anybody, actually. This is the first time I'm doing that. And I remember, I don't know, maybe seven or eight or something like that, maybe younger. I really can't remember. But I was just sitting and I was like, come on, you know, come down, give us more rain. Come on, give us more. And the rain was really coming. And... Um, I just really felt the magic of life and the essence of it all. And I recognized that there was more to it. And when I was growing up as a kid, my mom, as an angel number goes past us, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) um, my mom used to say to me, you know, that I am different than everybody else. And I used to, I mean, I don't really remember it, but I can only go from what my mom said to me. And she was saying that, you know, she used to hear like distinctive voices, you know, like kids put voices on, but you can tell it's still the child. But with me, they were completely different voices. And I was doing men's voices, women's voices. And I was saying, I was playing with these different people. But to me, that was really normal. I didn't really understand that that was any different, if that makes sense. And as I've got older and gone further down the path, I realized that I can do a little bit of transmediumship. So it's where spirit directly speak through you. Yeah. Not that I've developed it was enough. Was that what was happening when you were a kid? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I was pulling through those energies. And I've always really been aware that there was always a little bit more and like, you know, really lucid dreams and things like that as well. And I always used to learn a lot from my dreams as a kid. Was this kind of thing scary for you as a kid? Or did you just feel comfortable, like natural? I think I think an element of it did, mm. did feel scary, absolutely. And I think... I think it's important to to realise that I think all of us have a little bit of a fear of the dark because we just feel those energy differences. Um, And most certainly, yeah, I did. Yeah, and I think the thing is as well, if you're not brought by someone in touch with spirituality or they're not ashamed, whatever, then that's kind of seen as like a really taboo, scary thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like if if you're, you know, your man was ashamed, it would have been different, wouldn't it? Because I would have harnessed it and said, yeah, this is normal, this is... Well, this, this was a thing. There was nobody really anybody that guided me, if that made sense. Um, it was kind of like... I mean, we have got Roman gypsy that run through our bloodline, uh, through the women's side. So through my mom, my nan, and my great-nan. Um, and my great-nan, uh, Nanny Morgan. I've never, I've never met her, um, but she does come through. Um, and I do feel her energy. So maybe we'll talk about how I awakened, because that's quite a funny story. Okay. Um, and she was involved in that moment. So... So yeah, absolutely. Um, I knew there was just something more. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, so how exactly did that happen? You were, you said you were born dead. So you just. <laughs> it's um, how I wouldn't like to say that it's a fantastic story, um, but I decided that it was very stressful in my mother's womb. Mm. And I decided to choke on my own feces. Uh, <laughs> so if anybody thinks I'm talking it, uh, then there's a good reason for it. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so yeah, that's the truth of how it mm. happened. And uh, obviously I don't remember it. Um, a soul part of me will. And I was rushed away from my mum at that moment. Um, and you know she didn't know exactly what had happened until they told yeah. her. But she didn't know the process of what they did. But we know that that's what happened. Okay, cool. 
Very interesting. Yeah. And then um, as your childhood developed, I only know little bits, by the way, little bits about Ryan's story. We're going to go much deeper. Um, you said you had a lot of kind of traumatic experiences, mm. if you like, with, um, with your parents and things. Would you like to share a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my real dad, he, he wasn't around from when I was young. He was very abusive to my mum. He was domestically abusive to my sister as well. And there was things that happened to him as a child. And he almost relived that. And it's almost like a great lesson, a great teaching for me. Because after my dad obviously left, I think he left when I was about 18 months old. Uh, he actually went to prison then for 20 years. Mm. Um, because of the character he was. He's not the same, he's not that person anymore. Um, and so have, you, have you reconnected since yeah I, I have yeah I have um, we don't have that kind of relationship where it's like that father I can hear my throat going <clears throat> we don't really have that relationship uh, father and son if that makes sense um, because I always got that from my granddad yeah. you know he kind of stepped in a little bit and he's not the biological granddad but he is my granddad yeah. um so is that like your, your stepdad's? It's dad, it? it's my it's my mum's stepdad. Ah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. he he really helped, and they're the ones that are Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. They shaped her. They really did shape me into who I am now, and I'm really grateful. Um, you know, the story about them with shamanism, anyway. But we'll talk about it another time. Yeah, is the pockets of wisdom you found within Jehovah's Witness? Yeah, I, I it's like a controversial. Yeah, religion, yeah. I, I, absolutely, there is. There is, and it's not for me, but I understand that it is for some people, yeah. and it does give um, great knowledge to those that need it. You know, can mm -hmm. I say it's right or it's wrong? No, but some of the things that were said really resonated with me. And talking about being mindful of the music you listen to and the stuff you watch, I remember them saying that it really stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was really careful of the music I listened to. You know, and people talked to somebody said, um, "What's the name of?" Uh, Eminem, what's his real? Marshall. Uh, Marshall Mathers. Is yeah, somebody name. somebody put a comment on one of my things saying, oh, it's like a Marshall, whatever. And I was like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> I really yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, I, like, people laugh at me because I do live in my own bubble. I'm not into regular reality, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, you've plonked me in a, in a jungle. That is exactly where my head is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, coming back to the, the father thing, Absolutely, you know, childhood um, was dramatic, kind of traumatic from that moment because he obviously went into prison and my mum then continued kind of creating those situations around her and we had, uh, you know, she had another gentleman who was really abusive to her as well and we watched my mum being beaten and then my mum fighting back and we had the window smashed. Mm. We've had, uh, then she had another gentleman who stopped doing that but then we had people come and kick the door off Good. for drug dealing. Um, you know, there was, there was loads, you know, we, we never, my mum tried to balance everything she could and tried to do her best. Um, but I think because of my mum's really difficulty with men, she found it difficult with me okay. and we have spoken about this. Yeah. Um, oh, that's nice. yeah. And I never really felt like I had the love for my mum, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And that kind of shaped me into me loving everybody. Cause I really do love everyone. Yeah. You know, I hug everybody as you know. Yeah. You were like, "Oh, you haven't hugged yet." <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, absolutely. There's there's loads. There's so much. I really could write a book. I think you should, mate. <laughs> I, I'd read it for sure, hundred percent. Thanks, Alex.
Yeah, no, interesting stuff, definitely. Well, I'm sure we'll come back to some of these things as we go on. Um, so how do you think these adversities have helped you develop your shamanic abilities? Because I don't think I quite mentioned this at the start. I said Ryan's the heart shaman, but he's a shamanic practitioner and um, a shamanic mentor as well. So do you feel that these experiences have helped Absolutely. shape your Absolutely. The thing is... If you haven't been in the deep, dark depths of yourself, how can we work with other people compassionately? How can we really sit there in front of somebody who's in tears talking about the difficulties of life and you don't understand what that feels like? Mm. And it's like if we were to sit here now and do a podcast about talking about childbirth, we haven't really got a clue. We don't know what it's about. I mean, we can experience it on the other side as a man, but we can't experience it as a, as a woman you know, how you'd feel it that way. So I think it's it's really important to understand that those moments, they they shape us. And, you know, a term that I use a lot of the time is like when we think about a diamond, mm. think about how that's made. That is made through the pressure, mm. through the darkness. Mm. And it has to be uncovered. And we have to realise that actually the things that have been really difficult have been a really great gift. And it doesn't mean that we should ever push away our past. I think a lot of people really want to like, say, I've healed my past and then almost don't want to talk about it again. And there's parts of it that are still emotional, and that's okay. Yeah. And I think it's really important to recognize that, yeah, we can talk about the past and we can be emotional about the past because it's a great gift. Life is an adventure. Um, but we should also shouldn't cling on to it because it can weigh us back. It can weigh us down. So it's quite nice being able to do the podcast and actually talking about these things. It's not something I do. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, if somebody yeah. asks yeah, me about yeah. it, I will. But it's, it's really nice to be able to talk openly about them. Well, yeah, as, as you know, I was on a, a men's workshop slash yeah. retreat on Sunday. There's some really powerful exercises within that. So one, we're all stood around the outside of a circle and someone would say a comment and it could be, um, yeah, something really deep like... Um, my father, step forward if your father's no longer here. And then you have to walk to the middle of the circle, stop, and then you look everyone in the eye. So the people on the outside, the people on the inside. And you just realise that, you know, we've all got the same problems to some degree. Um, or we've all got different problems. Yeah. And just sharing that space and being um, open and vulnerable with each other. Because as men, it's something that, you know, we're not renowned for, for doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, big big respect to uh, Aman and Randy for putting that on. I'd, uh, I'd recommend working with them. <laughs> what did you find really powerful about that? What did you recognise from it? The, the dad example wasn't a great one just because that was either like a yes or no. But mm. other ones, you'd walk halfway if it half resonated with you. Um, and it was like looking into people's eyes as well. You could see a lot of emotion coming up for people. And... Um, Everyone sort of felt really connected. I feel like mm. the way we live our lives at the minute, everyone's sort of very separate. We don't have like community way of living anymore, do we? So then moments yeah. where you actually feel like really connected to someone, you're, you're talking about deep stuff, not just surface level superficial stuff. Um, yeah. I think I got teary-eyed a couple of times. I wasn't like full on crying, but I, like, I felt it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the heart's a really beautiful gift and I think, that's why I went with the word in the heart shaman. So people knew what it was about. And I think it's really important that we do step into our hearts because the heart is the greatest gift we have. Like love can overcome anything. Yeah. 
it's not about pushing away the darkness, but we can live within the heart to accept that darkness and love it. Mm. It doesn't mean we have to like it, but we can love it yeah. and understand that it serves a purpose. And it's really funny, actually, when you talk about the eyes and how you can see the emotion within it, mm. because you really can. And I did um, a post not long ago about this, and it's really fascinating that actually when you're looking at somebody's eyes, it's actually an extension of the brain. Mm-hmm. They're not separate from the brain. Oh, it's okay. like a, an actual external. So mm-hmm. you you are almost looking into the soul and into the mind well, of the person. It's interesting you said that because another few exercises we did, um, the kind of exercise itself was things like, I don't know, you had to push each other's hands and be like a bit playful like that, but you had to look each other dead in the eye. And um, I'm a bit of an introverted guy. I'm not great at eye contact. So, like, to be face-to-face, look into the eyes. But I actually felt really comfortable quite quickly with it. And I was just like, wow. It's like you can see the whole mm-hmm. soul. And, like, a lot of beauty in that without sounding, you know, yeah. cringy or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. It's quite powerful. I yeah. think I think we, we're, in a, we're in a lifetime now in a part of life where we... Life is so easy. I don't think we realize, I know it's difficult in many different ways mentally, but physically we live the best life we've ever lived. And we aren't very often put into our difficulties, into our uncomfort zone. So like you're saying, like you're being introverted, like Mm. it's beautiful to be able to really step into that uncomfortableness because then it becomes comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's why I do things like this, podcasts, like my first one, I was bricking it. I still don't feel 100% confident coming in here, but, you know, I'm nearly there. And, like, that's yeah. been, you know, doing it time and time again, going for the discomfort um, to get there. So. Well, it ta- well, that's it. it. It takes time. And, like I say to people, you know, that, that we have to train ourselves. We can't just get things like that. It mm. takes time. And think about, you know, when we... Uh, everybody, I mean, I know we're in, like, what, April now, nearly May. So everybody probably on January was like, oh, I've got to go to the gym. I've got to make this happen. <laughs> and then you create a plan that's, like, just outrageous and you go for, like, five days. And then, like, week three comes, you're like, I can't do this. <laughs> but what you recognise is that you have to just put these small steps in to make those changes. And the, the, it's like... You know, when you see like a weightlifter or a bodybuilder or something like that, um, or even some of these great athletes, if they just stop doing it, they're going to fall back into that. So even though we can put ourselves out of our comfort zones, we can very easily slip back in. Yeah. So it's really important to recognize that if we are putting ourselves through these difficulties, that we continue to cultivate it and work through it. Yeah. You mm. always have to seek it, don't you? And that's yeah. when you like can grow rapidly. Um, that was a good thing about Sunday as well. It was a big reminder of that because very busy with the festival, with my little one and whatever. So I haven't done too much self-work recently. And uh, it was a big boot up the arse, but <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like amazing. Like I'm still high off it now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to do a lot more transformational work, get myself back out there in uncomfortable situations. A lot of it was really uncomfortable. Like we did emotional release stuff. You literally had to scream out, screaming into a pillow, screaming into the air, like letting it all out and like in a group setting. It wasn't like, you know, you're in a little silent room on your own. You had to do it all together. Um, but things like that. I think even if, you know, you don't see the direct benefit of doing the thing that's out of your comfort zone, I think just being there is good for you because yeah. it just opens you up. Doesn't it? Well, you know... I do um, cacao ceremonies, but I do it with the static dance. And the static dance that I do is like, it's my weird medicine. And. We did a bit of that, actually. 
Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And the ecstatic dance, it allows you to kind of recognise when you're moving and you're doing different stuff, like what it is that's coming up. Like, I had a couple of people in the last one saying to me, like, I really felt like you were telling me off and saying stuff at me and, you know, it was all aimed at me. And I said, it wasn't. I said, that's your level of victimness that you're playing. Mm. So when we realise that we ha- we are a community being we forget like everybody says i love being on my own but when was the last time you were truly on your own mm. never maybe for a couple of hours but you're never truly on your own yeah you, people are spending a lot of time whatsapp and whatever as well now don't they mm. so, exactly you know we're always in contact but we have to recognize that when we're in these moments working together creating that community there's so much more medicine that comes from it and Kind of, this may sound really strange, and those people who believe in flat earth and stuff, I'm sorry to say this. Um, but, you know, the universe is expanding. Yeah. Science Scientists are saying that the universe is expanding. So what does that mean? That means that all the stars and all the planets are becoming more separate. And if we are the universe, then doesn't that mean that we're all just experiencing what the universe is and we're all becoming separate? Okay. And maybe that's why we're all having this separateness at the moment. Mm, that is interesting. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Can't put my finger on what it is, but it definitely feels like something big is happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the last two weeks, to be fair, Alex. I mean, you may agree with me, but I think there's been some massive shifts. People that have been messy. I've had a few people say like having really lucid dreams and. Yeah, I've been having a lot of that. I feel like a lot better as well. Like the winter, I've struggled a bit. The last couple of weeks, I suddenly feel like like back to myself. <laughs> a really big shift. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, the spring is that time, isn't it? The spring is the regrowth. And, you know, when I call in the directions for those that are going to come and see me, um, we're going to call in the directions and really invoke the spirits of the different directions. And the east really brings in the spirit, for me anyway, of the spring. It's about setting those intentions and recognising that if we want to change our life, we have to water the flowers, yeah. don't we? You don't, you don't just plant the seed and go, see you later. Mm. You have to keep watering the intention and yeah. trusting the process. And that's the harder part. That's the grafting it, watering it every day, rather than just the initial flank, flank it in. Absolutely. And the winter's almost that cultivation time. You know, the farmers, they cultivate all the fields and get everything. Everything's just resting and getting mm. ready. So that's definitely what you've been experiencing. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So have you found that with like your, your clients you're working with at the moment? Is that the kind of things that you've been working on? Yeah, I mean, that, it's really funny, actually. I mean, I say this to people, is that, like, I'll have a day of just one thing. So if, like, everybody comes to me and wants cord cutting, <laughs> and I'll have one day of just soul retrieval. It's really funny how it works like that. And then what, What's cord cutting? So cord cutting, so basically we have energetic cords that we don't see with the physical eye that live energetically between each other. So, for instance, we, if we think about an umbilical cord with our mother... We, you know, feed and release and do all this different stuff with those. On an energetic level, when we get into relationships, not necessarily, you know, relationships like partners, but any kind of relationship, work-wise or whatever, you understand what I'm saying? And those cords can be really beneficial for us or they might not be. So when we think about certain people, our energy can be really sapped away sometimes when we go around certain family members because Mm -hmm. that cord, you're giving your power away to them through it. So what we do is we understand the dynamic of the cord. And sometimes the thing that I've learned, I mean, my medicine changes and it does change and it will change. Um, but something I've learned is that the cords, they actually hold like strings of information through them and they hold stories. So sometimes 
it can be some of our self-worth that we have with our parents. Mm. So we can cut the cord and then all of a sudden you don't feel so bothered about what they say. Yeah. Or it could be that maybe you finished a relationship with somebody and you just can't quite let them go anymore. So again, then we cut the cord and we release it. And it's all about that forgiveness. Mm. You see how your energy is moving. <laughs> okay. And it's all about that, that release that, that's coming through with that. And every, everyone's different. And the way that I do all of my sessions, it's all really channeled. And it's never... It's never the same. I'll always bring through different elements because like when I'm doing shamanic journey, which is what we do to a degree, there's two parts to that. Um, I actually channel through the energy that as I'm journeying with you. And a lot of the time I can see what other people are seeing as well at the same time. And I'll say to them, say that cord was really dark, wasn't it? And cords aren't normally very dark. And they go, yeah, it was because I can see it energetically through them. Or I can say, you know, all of a sudden they've got a storm over them when we're at this place and I say, let go of the storm. Now they don't know I know that. And I'm saying to them, let go of the storm because I'm channeling it with them. Uh, We're both there consciously. Um, It's really amazing. It's a really beautiful process and there's quite a lot to it, but yeah. I feel like this is a good time to talk about your spiritual awakening because then we can talk about how you've (laughs) harnessed these intuitive gifts and things. Because I've I've worked with Ryan, by the way. He's very, very intuitive. It's almost creepy, like he knows what's what's going on yet. (laughs) I do. I listen to I listen to people's uh, thoughts and stuff. Um, it's a really funny story, actually. And I hope if you haven't got a cup of tea, go get one because you're about to laugh quite hard. Um, so obviously, as you know, as I was growing up, I had all these different thoughts, and then I kind of stepped away and really got caught up in the corporate and busy life, which I think you did as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And I think we all do. And and I don't regret that because it taught me some really great gifts. But it made me really depressed, mm. made me really stressed. And me too. I found yeah. quite suicidal mm. and it was a really difficult time in my life. How, how long ago was this? Just to give it a like, rough timeline. Seven or eight years ago now, um, I think, something like That'd that. That'd be similar to me, actually. Yeah. yeah. For the same stuff. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I, I found it so, so difficult. And anyway, I've never, because of my childhood, I mean, I watched, obviously, substance abuse throughout my childhood with... My granddad, my, not the granddad I was speaking about earlier, a different granddad who's an alcoholic and still is. He puts a bit of whiskey in his coffee every morning. Uh, half a bottle, I think. He's still going. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a right fighter. <laughs> yeah. I wonder where I get it from. Um, so, yeah. And, and then obviously growing up as a kid, you know, in the areas that we were, you know, my friends were sniffing cocaine off PlayStation games at the age of 12. Did you never touch it? No, there was something in me that never wanted to do it. And my friends were smoking cannabis at like 10, 11 before they started cocaine. So it sounds like you've always had like this inner strength where you haven't had to conform. You know, absolutely. And I think it's like the wisdom of your soul that comes through. Like as a kid, because I'm, I'm autistic and I, was, I am like a bit silly and stuff. And as a kid, I think it was like I was also trying to get attention. So they put me on some tablets to try and calm me down. And I really didn't want it, and I hated tablets. It may be that moment that, that cemented that, but like I just... Ritalin, was it? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I just didn't want to do any kind of medication, any kind of tablets, and I was like, I just don't want to do none of this. Um, even if I get a headache now, if I get a headache, it's very, very rare, but if I do, I will not take tablets. My arm literally has to be decapitated. <laughs> like, uh, Yeah, off. I'm the same. I don't like it. Um, I think I've had, like... One paracetamol in about the last five, six years <laughs> yeah. since I've been on this kind of yeah. journey. Exactly. So I kind of always been quite strong in that way. And then my friends were doing cannabis like as, as a kid. And I, I tried a little bit, but it was never really for me. I didn't really feel anything from it. I was like, 
Nah. You're already there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm already in these, <laughs> yeah. these rounds. <laughs> yeah. So um, so then I got really stressed out, and all of a sudden on my Instagram, I started getting these huge downloads constantly of like cannabis, cannabis. I was like, I don't want to touch it because of my experience with it. And I decided that actually I'm going to make some brownies. So I spoke to a friend of mine and said, you know, can you help me? So we made some brownies, stunk the whole house out of cannabis. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I ate like three of them. My partner, she had one i think or two she was giggling red off my friend was giggling his head off they that, were all is that your wife now no, yeah, your yeah, yeah 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 my partner now yeah my wife and um it was really funny because i was like nothing's happening and this was like an hour and a half at this point and i've had like two and nothing these guys are absolutely baked <laughs> they're baked so i have another one so i've had like three and i'm be- i don't know how much it was because i still don't you know i don't smoke yeah. cannabis but there was a lot let me tell you there was a lot in this tray and that night I went to went to bed and I was like a wave (laughs) it was like I was having out of body experiences we had a plant in the living room uh, sorry in the bedroom that was like trying to attack me and all that yeah and I was like whoa that's too much man and I was sick I had to call in sick the next day from work so that was the first experience and I thought well, that didn't really help with my depression (laughs) yeah I I was a bit of a stoner when I was about I don't know I peaked between like 19, 21. And um, yeah, edivores are dangerous. I've had hallucinations often before. Yeah. But once, because um, I went to this party. I was a bit younger, actually, about 18. And I drove and I thought, I'll just have like this one cake, could be fine, wear off and I go home. I don't know, I probably got excited and had more than the one cake. Can't remember. I'm driving home. My friend, luckily it was like 1am, so there's no other cars around. I kept seeing like cranes and stuff in the roads. So I slammed the brake. And be like, what are you doing? I said, like crane. I'm not going to drive straight to the crane. And then dogs will be running across the road. Yeah, it was a, it was a mess. But um, yeah, it's powerful. It, it is. So then I thought, right. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. No, it's needed. Needed to hear the stories of it. It's it's not to be sniffed at. Yeah, it's yeah. not to be sniffed at. Um, and I thought, right, that didn't sort it out. I need to do it again. So my wife had gone to Poland. Um, and I said to my friend, I said, right, come with me, but stay with me this time. Let's do it together, but stay with me because I knew I was off work the next day. So I decided to have one, <laughs> had one. Scott was like, yeah, yeah, I'll stay with you. And uh, <laughs> completely left me, if you can hear where this story is about to go. And uh, he was like, he was baked and he left. <laughs> and I was like, Scott, where are you going? I thought you were going to stay with me in case anything happens. No, gone. So I started lying in bed anyway, and then I started putting different things on the TV. And I was watching a film. I can't remember what film it was now, but I remember watching one of the actors, and they turned into, like, this puppet thing. It's like, they're not real. They don't, like, what is going on? And it was really strange. He started, like, kind of creating this, like, mindset-y, spirally kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then then I somehow I got into watching Aliens, and then that started freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I was laying in bed trying to, like, just calm down because I was getting really paranoid. Never worked with anything like this before. And all of a sudden, I think it was my left ear, actually, I started having this, like, popping coming round by my ears, like, round from the back, and then started coming round. I was like, whoa, that's weird, man, what's that? And I was like, hmm, don't feel right. And then just the download, which now I understand was, like, spirit, um, went, I'm trying to talk to you. I was like, okay. So I just went stopped and I felt the popping it got more and more intense and it was literally my eardrums are going really popping like real big energies coming in and the next thing I know 
they're like, you're going to die. I was like, oh, great. And I'm laying in bed thinking I'm going to die. And within a split second, I was not in control of my body. And I was, I was like, I would say I was walked, but like they were in control of my body and took me to the toilet. And all I remember was like being taken up out of the bed, going into the bathroom. My fingers were like this. And I remember witnessing my fingers doing this in and out my throat. And I was, I had my eyes closed. Like, and I remember seeing like my life of me dying of what was going to happen to everybody around me when I died. And I seen the ambulance come and everything. And while this was happening, there was an energy ball, may I say, both left and both right. I don't know why I did the two opposites, but both left, right, right. Um, and they were almost like talking to me. And I knew one was a mass, like a male energy, one was a female energy. And I knew they were like family, but I didn't really understand. And that really freaked me out. So... I started calling the paramedics up thinking that I was going to die. So I'm like, you know, calling 999 up. I'm going to die. And I'm talking to the operator. And she's asking me these questions. And I said to her, I said, oh, I see what you're doing. You're trying to keep me calm. You've already asked me these questions because I was ahead of what she was saying. Mm. I knew what she was already saying. Mm. It was really strange. And she was like, no, I haven't asked you these questions yet. How is that for her? Was she getting freaked out? I think so. I think she realised I was absolutely baked out of my face <laughs> when I told her that I'd had uh, some cannabis brownies. She was yeah. like, you're stoned. And then anyway, I went downstairs. I was drinking loads of water, trying to get this stuff out of me because I was on an empty stomach, which is obviously was the wrong thing yeah. to do. Um, and, and then I was like looking in the mirror. I could barely talk. And then I convinced myself I was having a stroke. So I was looking in the mirror, my, I was dribbling. That's how bad it I was dribbling. And I was convinced the one side of my face was going, my arm could move. But my face was like, I'm, I'm having a stroke, I'm having a stroke. So I called my, one of my friends up whose wife's a paramedic. And this is about one o'clock in the morning. Bearing in mind, I started about eight o'clock at night. And I'm like, Sounds like you're very sensitive to these substances. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am. And I said, Richard, um, is Cheryl there? I'm, I'm dying. I've had a cannabis brownie. I'm dying. <laughs> And he goes, shut up, you're stoned, go to sleep. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Richard. Did that help you? Did you snap? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I called my other friend up, PK, who uh, you'll meet on the uh, the medicine um, journey if you come. And I told him, and he was like, you're just stoned, mate. Just go, just go to sleep. It's exactly the same thing. So anyway, I called the ambulance up again. And I'm sat on the stairs at this point, the bottom of the stairs, and the door's right in front of me. So I, I undo the door a little bit. And I, un, I undo the porch door. So then if, the, if I have died, the paramedics can come in. <laughs> you know, no, I was really thinking, <laughs> really thinking this process out of saving myself. Bearing in mind, I kept you, myself in the house. I didn't go out and knock one on the neighbours. Did, did you put a deposit on the <laughs> <laughs> So I said to my friend, like, you know, I'm having this. Anyway, um, this is like probably 2 a.m. at this point. And then the ambulance did come because I said, I'm having a stroke. And they went through this stuff and I could barely talk on the phone at this point to them. So I think they're thinking, yeah, there's something wrong with this guy. And there was. And uh, anyway, they turned up and my friend came just before they did. And he obviously left the door open. And then the paramedics come. He goes, what are they doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm dying. Anyway, they, they took my top off and put the stuff on me and whatever. And then I had this moment where I, I blanked. There was like a blank of consciousness for a moment. And one minute they were putting them on, next minute, there was just a guy in there. There was a, a lady and a gentleman that came, and my friend and the lady were walking out of the room, and she said, I hate it when that happens. 
I was like, I've died. I died. And I said to her, I said, uh, did a flatline? She went, no, you fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep. Um, so I was convinced that that's what happened. And then my mum said to me, I spoke to my mum the next day and I said, look, I think I've gone mentally insane. I could see these spirits, people talking to me and blah, blah, blah. She said, look, go and see this medium, go see this lady. So I went and seen this lady called Jill and she did me a tarot reading and she was like spot on with all this stuff. And I asked her at the end, because you're never supposed to feed the medium. Mm. And she said to me um, about the spirits that are with me and she confirmed who they were. Now, also, I'd never met these mm. ancestors um, but my mom knew who they were. So I told my mom afterwards and she was like, yeah, that's your uncle Jack and your nanny Morgan. Mm. And I was like, no way. Um, and then the week after then I then started my journey of doing, uh, like tarot cards and like all the readings and it just like that just happened and the doorway came and it shot me through and there's so much that's happened during that path. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. Wow. No, really, really interesting story. Um, Leads me on nicely to the next bit. So obviously that was an experience of um, alternate consciousness, if you like, alternate states of consciousness. Yeah. Um, so firstly, actually, do you see that as being a bit of an ego death? Because you thought you were dying. Oh, 100%. So part, part of you was dying, basically. Yeah. I was never the same. Yeah. The, a part of me died. Mm. And it's really funny. One of my friends, um, we spoke not long after... And we actually re-spoke about it a couple of months ago. And he said, you know, Ryan, who you were to who you are now, it's incredibly different. He said, that journey you had, you're no resemblance of who you used to be. Really? Completely what, what different What kind person. of character trait, characteristics do you think you've kind of lost? What, what were you like before a bit more, would you say? Very angry. Oh. Yeah, I've done a lot of martial... I couldn't imagine that. You know, the yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. Do you um, I did a lot of mixed martial arts as a kid. Um, you know, always fighting at school and getting traced around with baseball bats and all that sort mm. of stuff. Been in, you know, so I was always, you know, really um, angry and always really selfish. Actually, um, really like self-centered. The world evolved around me, and I think, I think, yeah, it, it definitely changed me, yeah. made me a different person. Okay. Mm. So yeah, that that would make sense with the ego. If you say you know you were very selfish before, and then you became much more you know considerate of others, mm. would make sense. And then that leads me on to the next bit because obviously you spent a lot of time in Bolivia, which I'm really excited to learn more about. And you did ayahuasca and spent time with shamans out there. So it's up to you which one you want to talk about first, just Bolivia generally. Well, yeah, same ayahuasca. place, same place. And um, that was that was a really transformational experience. And I was already going down the route of shamanism because it was already coming for me. Like the lady who Gio was on about earlier, she said to me, oh, you're a, um, like a medicine man, like a male healer. And I was like, okay, I didn't really understand what that meant and just left it at that. And then the Amazon started calling me and I didn't... I've always, as a kid, loved the Amazon rainforest. It's the one place now I've been that feels like home. And Do you feel like you might have lived there in a past life? I have. Believe it's, um, I have, yeah. We're doing some different journeys, moving stuff out of the way now, taking control. <laughs> um, opening it. <laughs> yeah, opening it up. <laughs> I've noticed my hands are like, it's, it's you, you get in my head. My, hand, my hands are like that. I'm like, I'm going to get a defence here. I need to like, I'm spreading out. Um, 
Yeah, and it was always calling for me. I've always been obsessed with the Amazon. Like I said, I never really watched normal TV. It was always animal documentaries and mm. stuff, which now makes sense. Yeah. You know, why I do what I do, I guess. And it really called me, and I knew, I just knew that I was going to go there. Mm. And people, like you know, you do these corporate events, and they're like, oh, if there's one thing on your bucket list, what would it be? You know, the usual questions. And it was, a, I'm going to the Amazon rainforest. I had no mm. doubt that one day I would go. Wow. And the, I had the opportunity to go, but I was going there with a part of me that needed to be somebody. I was aware that shamanism was coming into play. I was scared of calling myself a shaman, but I felt the calling of it, and I felt like I needed to be somebody. And when I went there, Mother Ayahuasca kicked the shit out of me. Yes, it is. The first, the first journey was really beautiful, mm. you know, with ayahuasca. I learned quite a lot there. And so, how many nights did you do? We did ten days there. Wow, ten days. Does that involve um, like harpe? I'm guessing and uh, cambo. No, no, purely just ayahuasca, and we did tobacco ceremonies and stuff, which I yeah. also do as well. Surely you didn't do ayahuasca ten days straight. There. No, no, right? no, 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 no. Yeah. We didn't do it ten days straight. So. The first night was really good because I died again. It seems to be a reoccurring thing. There's different parts of me that die. That's three times already. This podcast. <laughs> yeah, when, no. you're, when you were born, when you took too many brownies, and when you did. I... Wait until we talk about mother's bloodline of mushrooms. <laughs> um, that's a funny one as well. Yes, yeah, she um, she showed me that when we die, I still had my awareness. My head came off, and I rotted into the ground. And I recognised mm. that my body isn't mine; it's from her. She's shown me that. It's a great gift to have this body and that I should take care of it. And it's she like was a, like a vessel. Yeah, yeah, it's a vessel. And I used to do a lot of I haven't got a motorbike now, but I used to do a lot of motorbike riding and a bit of an idiot doing wheelies like 120 mile an hour yeah. and yeah, just just being an idiot. Um and um I remember because I think before this I had I've been on the racetrack. I think yeah, it was on the racetrack. I've been on the racetrack, and I always just kind of go too far. And I was trying to get my elbow down and all this sort of stuff, and you know, knee down, all that. And I fell off, and I remember apologising to my body. I could feel its pain of that moment that I caused it, and I was like, "I'm really sorry that I hurt you." And it really showed me how how we can talk to the body. Um, so that was really good, and obviously journeyed off of the jungle and 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 whatever. And I think. You know, there was loads of different experiences within that that taught me so many great gifts. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. And um, what about the actual shamans themselves? Were they from like, you know, sort of bloodlines where like yeah. it's been passed down, yeah. passed down for yeah. Well, centuries? Well, I, I said to Wara, um, because I felt the calling, and this is before I recognised what was going on, I said to her, I said, am I a shaman? She was, no, you can't be a shaman. I was like, okay. And... They're very protective of the medicine, and I understand why. And I think there is a lot of people now who run around, who run around putting on these shirts of "I'm a shaman" and "I'm this," "I'm a witch," and "I'm that," and they don't recognise the responsibility that comes with it, because yeah. it's a, it's a heavy responsibility, and you don't choose this path; it chooses you. Mm. And I think we have that contract before we enter into this world, and maybe that's why I was born dead originally that that was kind of like the initiation because believe that your deaths are your initiations and, and there's always these different initiations that come through and she was like no and that kind of was like I was like mm, okay 
Fair enough. So I felt a lot of kind of guilt around that word. Shaman. Yeah. Mm. It took me a really long time to step into my power with that. Yeah. No, I get that. It's a big thing, isn't it, in this space, the old um, imposter syndrome. Mm. I've suffered with a few things. I teach meditation. And then these thoughts of it, like, oh, because when I started, I was only 27. I thought this should be, you know, older, wiser people doing this. I'm too young. young. Um, I'm just a guy from the black country, you know, should be like an Indian guy, whatever. Um, So do you experience similar kind of things like that? Sometimes I guess it will creep in. I think it, it would be wrong for me to sit here and say that I don't have it sometimes, but yeah, sometimes it does come in, but it's when you check in with yourself and that's where these practices really come into it. And I think what's really important, what you were just saying then about, oh, you know, I need to have been this and be that. And yeah. But the thing that I, I say to myself and I say to others is that we've got different medicine. Like if we was to fly to Africa now, we'd need like malaria jabs and yeah. all these different kind of jabs because that's the medicine that's needed for there. Yeah. So just because we haven't got that particular culture running through us doesn't mean that we can't offer something here yeah, in its thing, own way. Yeah, and the thing is, I feel like it has to be specific to the area. Because mm. um, you talked about aesthetic dance. We did a lot of kirtan when I did my teacher training in India. But I thought, you know, people around here, they're just getting started. They're probably going to get a bit lost if we start doing that. So instead, I did like Bob Marley songs and um, just, you know, general western songs with yeah. english lyrics so i thought people could actually resonate and sing along with that instead it's still the same thing you know you're singing together yeah. you made it very nice for them yeah. <laughs> i'm a bit more difficult than that yeah. <laughs> yeah um but as people advance yeah i probably would yeah. bring it in more but i've had a bit of a break focusing on the on the festivals now it's something i like to delve back into deeper i like to maybe do some of the men's stuff as well because i found that inspiring and i feel mm. like men in particular um, need a lot of this work and are kind of like out the space like with my festival 80% plus of our tickets are female I don't know if it's yeah. the same with you and your practice um, I felt there's this kind of backwards mentality around here that it's like a feminine thing but it's not all is it like no. I imagine when you're in Bolivia you know it was a, a mix um, yeah well you do see a lot more like medicine men I mean we went and met the um, the shaman who looks after the area there because uh, Wara was kind of like t- brought in from a different area I can't remember exactly where it is now but we met their their shaman who's kind of almost retiring now but he's like 80, 90 and trust me that guy he's not ready to retire we were walking to meet Mother Aya through the vines and for him to sing his songs and stuff to show us and my boy did he charge <laughs> we were like keeping up with them and some of some of the group were like falling behind really yeah wow. yeah yeah because he was just so like so in tune and the the environment just demands that um but yeah i think i think at the moment we are in need of men really coming in and stepping in mm-hmm. um i think it's just you know we go through these cycles and i think we're coming through a new cycle now i think the feminine energy has really come in and I think the masculine energy needs to come in a little bit more as well. And yeah. I think it's there's been a lot of that pushing and fighting, that separateness that everybody's been experiencing mm. without recognising that we need the both of them. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. You know, we can't live without either of it. Yeah, and even like not just on the wider level, just within ourselves. Like I've had periods in my life where I've been too far my masculine, too far my feminine. I actually feel in a good place now where I've sort of balanced between the two. Mm. But... um it's kind of like noticing and being self-aware within that. I mean, as I'm sat here now leaning forwards, I'm trying to talk into the mic, but I've recognised that recently I've been really in my masculine. Yeah. 
really strongly in my masculine and it's changed the dynamics of the sessions that people have come with me but I've recognized that I've got to come more into the feminine and really feel into the emotions because I mean I've been through a part you know I'm trying to I'm making this dream I recognize that I haven't been stepping into my power over the last few years but really good foundation so really striving to come into my power more and I've been doing been reading that doing 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 it's very masculine thing and it's like yeah yeah and i can be like that um so it's kind of recognizing that it's we have to find that balance but it's okay it's something i've learned and i think people find it difficult is that we aren't always in balance we can't always have balance in life yeah, and even if you find it, you're going to fall out of it sooner or later, aren't you? Yeah, we're not supposed to stay stagnant. Mm. You know, you're supposed to keep moving. No storm is ever the same. No wave is ever at the same current. It's always different. Life changes around us. Yeah, there's that famous quote, I can't remember it is, it's like, um, no man ever goes in the same river. It's not the same man. Yeah, it's not the same yeah, river. yeah. Because <laughs> mm. all our cells are obviously changing. Um our personality it's about everything isn't it well this this is a really good part to talk about because i think people get really caught up with the past like i was saying earlier and it's really important that we don't see people around us because of their past or because of our past it doesn't mean that you know we should just forgive everybody for everything but it's like when we see a, a whirlpool within a river we recognize it and we can go for a walk and see it every day but the truth is it's never the same body of water and I'm never the same person who you met when you came to me is completely different to who you've met today mm. who I'll be at the festival on the 30th of April and then our other one in July yeah yeah, yeah July. I'll be a different person then yeah and it's okay to, to change we shouldn't stay stagnant I think it's especially true when you're on a sort of like growth journey if you like to call it yeah because you do change so rapidly um, and especially if you zoom out, like you said, you were this angry guy. I mean, doing wheelies and chase around with baseball, that's whatever. Like, someone now could s- still think of you as being that guy. Because yeah. there's still a lot of people that don't change much, isn't there? Yeah. And they, they think, oh, God, I wouldn't want to bump into Ryan because he, <laughs> he might do this or something, don't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've obviously changed, changed a lot. Well, yeah, and I think I think we have to accept that we can change and you know those i think there's a great saying that is it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war Mm. and i think those parts of me those traits still live within me but i'm in a different part of my life now and when i work with plant medicines and different things or something that's really difficult i can really call upon those moments of great strength that live within me so I wouldn't push them away and say that, oh, because I'm on this spiritual path, I have to get rid of all those things and they're bad. They're not. We have to accept our shadow parts. Mm. And the, the brighter we shine our light, the bigger the shadows they become. Yeah. And we have to find that balance between them. Um, do I not get, do I now all of a sudden don't get angry? Um, I'm a lot more patient. Yeah. A hell of a lot more patient. Um, it does take me time, you know, to really get angry. I'm not very easily offended. It takes a lot to offend me. Yeah. So if you do see me angry, then you really have upset me. <laughs> it's very rare. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know exactly where I was going with this, but I think it's really important to recognise that we that we can cultivate these difficult shadow parts of ourselves into different aspects of our life sometimes. Yeah, 
Yeah, 100%. Um, big part of my journey has been the last two and a half years been doing integrative therapy. It started very kind of um, subtle, just, just feeling me out, getting to know me, like, well, in fact, they want to know everything about your whole life story. Uh, but then we did a lot of, like, shadow work. So, um, yeah, deep into the subconscious, it's called Dark Room. And, um, God, that was hard, a lot of that stuff. A lot of tears, all sorts. But that's a big part of it, isn't it? It's like that emotional release because you mm-hmm. do store it all in your body, these emotions yeah, yeah. and things like that. And if you don't get it out, whether it's through tears... I know, shaking, it could even be laughing. Like I've sat in ayahuasca ceremonies and thought about things that I worry about in day-to-day life and literally been crying, laughing, and that was like the release. That yeah, was the yeah. way it was coming out. Yeah. Um, and it's important to recognise that everybody releases things differently. Yeah. And, you know, I, I obviously, as you were saying, 80% of who's coming to the festival is majority of women, and I've worked with a few women and recognised that sometimes, I mean, for men... It's been. I mean, I, I'm open to crying, yeah, but I think I think for some for some men it's really difficult to cry. Whereas for some women it's really easy to cry. A bit more emotional, really, in the feminine of it. And I've recognised societally seen, isn't it? Yeah, isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. thing for yeah. them to do, not so much. And it. these women have taught me a really beautiful lesson that sometimes we have coping mechanisms that we think are releasing, and I've watched them crying, and I go, and I'm as you know, I'm listening, I'm watching, and and whatever with the energy, and I'm like, you haven't released that. Mm-hmm. You're crying, but you haven't released it. Okay. You're not actually moving it. Like you're tricking yourself into going, I'm crying, I'm crying, I'm letting go of it, but you aren't. So sometimes we have these things that we think we're releasing, but it's not the way. Like you were saying, there's different ways to release stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that I find the most that people find difficult is anger. Everybody finds anger so hard. Mm. Anger's a great gift if you know how to use it and yeah. when to use it. And there's a time and a place for it. And one of the things I get people to do, I've got these rattles that I give people to use, like when I'm doing one-to-one mentorship or healing or whatever it needs to be. And they're really shaking it out. And you can just see the power coming in and the screams come. And it's really beautiful and really powerful when you can just step into that. And it's like something I say to people that people forget. It's like when you get these emotions coming through, you should sit with them. And it's like we we get scared of these emotions and we put it all to the side but if you think about like a fire say we you know we're in the forest and we've cut a load of trees down and we've got a fire burning and that fire represents our anger or our sadness or our grief or our guilt and whatever it is if we just keep putting a little bit of wood in there yeah the flame keeps going but it lasts for days what about if you fully sit in that power get all of those wood that we've collected put it all in the fire it's really intense really hot radiates out but don't last as long yeah so it's really important that when we have these emotions that we give ourselves time to sit and embrace them and love them yeah and go you know what it's okay i feel that way would you say to express it as well obviously within reason yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, we, you know, we wouldn't stand out in the high street because of culture and start screaming and shouting. We yeah. have the police turn up. Yeah. So yeah, there is a time and a place, but it's making sure you've got a safe place to do it. Yeah. You know. But yeah, that's what we did on the the retreat on Sunday. It was really interesting. The things he was talking about really resonated with it, especially as a father. I know you're a father as well, and they're talking about you know how uh, a toddler 
it's completely unconscious thing, isn't it? If they're angry, they're ah, mad, screaming and shouting. Or if they're sad, they're like really letting it out, crying their heart out. But then after five minutes or however long it is, yeah. they're okay, they? they just carry on. They see yeah. they're laughing. Um, whereas us, not all of us, but, you know, adults tend to suppress, 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 and then bang, they'll come out in a really yeah. um, well, unhealthy way. What, what tends to happen in being a parent, you know this, mm-hmm. you know, when your kids are kicking off in Asda or Lidl or wherever you are shopping or whatever's going on, and it's really easy to be like, shh, stop, calm down, calm down. And then what happens is then kids don't know how to deal with it. And like me being a kid, uh, like, I can, like my mum always used to send us to our room you know, like, go go upstairs, go away, I don't want to hear it, or whatever. And then you're left to be on your own with these emotions, and you don't really let them go because you're like, you know, you can't shout, you can't do anything, so you're suppressing it. But also, you learn to deal with your emotions on your own, and you learn to go away. So when somebody confronts you with something that's difficult, you end up trying to take yourself away to try and deal with them. So when you're putting your kids on the stairs, to go and sit down and deal with your emotions, they almost see emotions are bad. So then they try and collect themselves, get themselves together, distract themselves. Because a lot of the time, kids will find something to play with. Mm-hmm. They've got anything, their hands, whatever it is, and they've distracted them. Which is a great thing that Mother Ayahuasca taught me is how to, you know, move the energy. But you know, we we move, we find a new way of moving it, so we can get into that centre, so we can be accepted again by our parents. Yeah, yeah. So it's really important to recognise that sometimes we feel because we've had to be pushed away to deal with our emotions, we find it difficult to talk about them sometimes as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, I've, I'm only just starting to get better at that because, um, you know, it's just the way I was brought up, not like verbally saying, bottle it up, whatever. It's just what everyone did and you kind of just went in your separate ways. And So, yeah, now... Me and my other half do our talks every week. So you just sit for an hour. Sometimes yeah. nothing, you know, that deep comes up. But you have that space where you can talk about what's going on and listen Beautiful. to each other. Yeah. It's really good you can do that because I think it's really difficult. You know, when you go into a relationship, sometimes you try to fit into other people's category and you try to be somebody you aren't truly. Um, and luckily, my wife, she's a real gift. She's really beautiful and she she's obviously watched and experienced me grow and she's held my hand through the whole process. And it's really magical. It's been a big process for her as well, watching you go through it. You know, like people say to me, oh, is your wife into it as well? No, not really. Yeah. And that's okay. She's yeah. given me the balance and she's taught me some really great lessons. She's a really magical woman and I really love her. Nice. Um, <laughs> and I think it's really important that we recognise there are people around us that can help us if we let ourselves be there and like you are experiencing that with your partner is truly being immersed into them and feeding their love yeah no it's true yeah i mean i do slack on it sometimes something we need to you know get better at but it's nice that we've got that foundation and um, it was a big gift from us to kind of have that practice talk to us it's a really basic thing isn't it but it's just like when you're stuck in certain patterns a certain lifestyle something you wouldn't even think about doing well i wouldn't anyway Mm. Um, so yeah it's been really helpful a question I wanted to ask before but I've kind of you know <laughs> this is what I'm like an interview we go off on one tangent they're like oh I was going to ask that it's earlier. good it's good it's good <laughs> um, so yeah what was your most powerful experience with ayahuasca would you say it's a big question oh. I think it's really important to understand that mother ayahuasca 
as much work as she does, it's you that has to do the work. And she can give you these great lessons and these great teachings, but you have to integrate it. And I had this one evening where, you know, I was saying that I've been busy trying to be somebody, trying to help everybody. And we were all sat down and I'd had some really, I wouldn't say easy, but I can surrender quite well and like dying and stuff didn't really bother me. I was cool <laughs> with that. Um, and then this, because I was going through a phase in my life at that time where I was just able to drop everything off. Everything was going like I was, you can't get rid of the ego. Mother Ayahuasca taught me that and I'll talk about that in a minute. But I was almost like dropping everything off. I, you know, I'd quit my job and I was part time and I was like, meditating every single day my journey and shamanic journey before i even knew what shamanic journey was every single day for like an hour connecting my guide channeling stuff and it was a really amazing experience taught me a lot so this so we're all sat obviously in space and we've all spoken over the pipe the sacred pipe is for grandfather mapacho the tobacco to talk about our intentions i can't remember what my intention was and everybody had had quite difficult times at this point and I was like, I really want to help everybody have an easier time because I've had it easy. I felt like I cheated. Mm. And there was this like real dark energy, like whoa, 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 circling around the room. And I was like, I'm going to have this. I'm strong. Mm. Give it to me. I'll have it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> did I have it? <laughs> and this this black serpent came and just I could see it coming round and joining me and coming round and getting everybody's energy and wrapped all of their energy and wrapped me up in these coils and then I just went into this really weird space actually that was quite dark and then all of a sudden I'm in this like library kind of like building and well it was really strange to to explain really and then I recognized that there was this place where all the knowledge existed and it felt like mum and dad had left me there and nobody was home. And I was like going through all these rooms and it was like these like loads of knowledge and stuff. And then I met these like two beings and they were showing me that, that it's them that bring the intuition through. And they, they were like, oh, my head was wide open. I could see my head fully open. And they're, they're putting, dropping information in. And like for what felt like an instant for me, like bam, information through. They were like going off and having a cup of teas and messing around and joking and then stumbling and dropping stuff in. Like it was like no rush for them. But for me, it was instant. Wow. So that was really powerful to see. That and then, amazing. yeah, yeah, there's a little bit more to it, but obviously I'll come back to where I'm at. And then next thing, I kind of leave that space and then a shadow man appeared, shadow being appeared. Now, I've seen a shadow being before physically of my eyes, but we could talk about it another time. But um, And I recognize that the shadow beings are yourself. It's your own stuff. And it was representing fear. And turned around to me and said, Ryan, I'm fear. And I was like, yeah, okay. I was stood in this massive archway, really like seven foot tall being, I think it was. So I come, you fear. Uh, and he's like, come on, we're going to go work through your fear. And I said, well, no, I don't want to do that. He said, what are you scared of? Come on, you said you can handle all this. Come on, let's go down the road of fear. Big I am went, well, no, I don't want to. And then I went, hang on a second. I'm fearing fear. <laughs> you only exist because I'm fearing you. Yeah. You don't even exist. And he went, come on then, come down these ladders with me. Took me down these ladders into this real dark place. Just kept churning me through the universe, like, 
and I was just like basically being turned into nothing. Nothing existed. I didn't have a name. I didn't have a family or anything. Nothing existed. And at this point, I would, I would open my eyes back up to get back into like ground myself. So giving myself these coping mechanisms and nobody else existed in the room. And I died again. One of the girls that was there, um, she was training. She's not really trained to be a shaman, but she was training as such. And Wara had asked her to sing this song. And it was like, come and join me down by the river or something. I can't remember exactly what it was now. And it was almost like I died and she was singing me back to life. And then I started to become a little bit more aware. And then I started stepping into my sick bowl. And then I got caught in this loop. And it just kept throwing me into loops. And I recognized that that me trying to be nobody was stopping me from actually being alive. And I had a choice then to allow myself to have my human traits. And like at this time, I was like, you know, like I'm really aware of people's body language. I can really read body language. And I was like doing this with my beard and I had like a little lump that appeared on my knee before I went. I kept touching my knee and I kept trying to push it away. So I was becoming nothing. And every time I got caught up in that, I became nothing again. Like literally nothing. Just I was. I just wanted to go home. I was like, I fucking, I've broke myself again. I just want to go home. I didn't know what home was. And then eventually I was like standing in my sick bowl, stood up, stood in my sick bowl. Everybody else is like fully back in the room. I am still destroyed at this point. I did take everybody else's shit because they could hear me shouting and talking. One of the guys had became a snake, funny enough, mm. along the floor. Um, I've got a snake ring. My wedding yeah. ring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, then I started like going, my family, my wife, you know, blah, blah, this. And, and then I started to pull myself back. And luckily I went with my friend Scott. This time he couldn't leave me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, physically unable. <laughs> we were stuck in the Amazon rainforest. And um, then it's really good he was there because I was so ungrounded. We had to go through all my pictures on my phone and he was talking to me like a child, like, who's this? Who's that? And I had to rebuild my life back. And I recognized that I was on this path of trying to get rid of my ego and get rid of everything. But that was the, that was the reason why I'm here. Yeah. I can't not have that. So it was really difficult because nothing existed and I genuinely thought I'd destroyed myself again. Um, and I learned that I can't take on everybody else's problems. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Mm. Definitely. I've kind of had a similar similar journey with that because I think when you when you start out and you delve deep, it's like, I want to get rid of the ego. I just want to kind of like dissolve into like everything and nothingness at the same time uh, but then you actually re- realize that you're here for a human experience and you start beating yourself up as much like yeah because it's just like you're human you're going to be flawed mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes um so i think it's actually a very uh, yeah freeing experience isn't it absolutely like you said you, you we we have all these human i mean they, they say the word don't we like you know you're you're a spiritual being having a human experience like really think about that what that actually means being a human what does that mean it means you got shit going on yeah it means that you have you aren't i mean the word perfect isn't a word we should use but we say that we aren't perfect because of what the bible says um and i remember pulling my granddad up about this saying well you know jehovah is the word you know like jehovah created the world and said that we were perfect what what does that mean Who's to say who's perfect, Grandad? And he was like, no, perfect doesn't mean that. 
Perfect means fit for purpose. And I was like, right. So then when we look at each other and we see all of our crap that's going on, we all serve each other a purpose. Mm. We are all fit for purpose. So I do look at people and go, you're perfect. Mm. Because I recognize all the roles we're playing with each other because we're all fit for purpose. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And um, a big part of my path that we're talking about anger and difficulties and stuff, I kind of went very deep down the rabbit hole with like corruption and like a global level. That was probably like the start, very yeah. start before yeah. my spiritual stuff when I was like 19. And yeah, a lot of like, yeah, anger, confusion, whatever. But the spiritual path and practice, especially the last year or two, has really helped me with that because it's like, what is good without evil? Like, an evil person is helping someone else step in and become a hero and fulfill their hero's journey of slaying the dragon. You know, it's all metaphorical, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, See, so yeah, like you say, everyone plays a part and it helps you make peace with the world and the shit in the world. Well, the thing is, you, you wouldn't know what is up if you didn't have down. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like I always joke with people, like people, you know, I don't like being put on a pedestal. People try and put me on a pedestal. I don't like it because... And I do say to people, I could be wrong. Because if I'm right, that must mean that at some point I must also be wrong. Yeah. And we, you can't have light without dark. If you think about the way the world works, you know, we have to have that balance between night and dark. The plants wouldn't grow if they didn't have that moment. Mm. Life wouldn't exist if it was pure light all the time. So being, like, people are using the word sending love and light. You know, everything's love and light. It, it's it's not. Yeah. We have to have that balance. Yeah, I always think this about like, because um, obviously a lot of, most people have quite a bad relationship with death. Like it scares the life out of them. Yeah. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it. But imagine if it didn't exist, like already resource wise, we're spreading thin. If we all live forever, like. Yeah. It's the cycle of life, isn't it? And that's a beautiful thing. It's it's a really great gift, and I learned a really beautiful lesson a couple of years ago. Um, I had my gallbladder removed. Now, obviously, Ill, illnesses like are called from uh, caused from stress imbalances, and it's you know called disease for a reason. Disease is called yeah. disease for a reason, and it's because I was giving away my power a lot. Hence, why I'm stepping into my power even more. So I then started to have issues with my gallbladder, and that had to be removed now. I went and had the, the ultrasound scan and they said there was a load of polyps in there and said the size of them. And my, I told my granddad at that point and he was like, you've got, that's cancer. You've got cancer, Google it. And I'm like sitting in the back of the car, not telling anybody what's been said, but I've told my granddad and he's telling me I've got cancer and I'm thinking I've got cancer. I'm like, okay, I've got cancer. And then, and then obviously I didn't hear about what was going to happen. I had that bit of like, have I, haven't I? And just kind of surrendered into it a little bit. It doesn't mean it was easy. It doesn't mean, you know, I've like dealt with it and it was all fancy dancy. Mm. But on the way to the hospital to have the appointment to find out what it actually was, because the lady told me I had polyps, but I didn't know actually what that meant or what was actually going to happen. And on the way to the hospital, I could have been really nervous and really stressed, but I had this real realisation that like, you know, I'm never going to have this moment again. If I get told I've got cancer, I hope I'm never going to have this moment again, but I'm never going to have my first moment. So what's my choice? Am I going to sit down to this adventure and listen like a kid sitting in mm. year one or year two in reception, listen to the teacher tell them a story? 
or am I going to be scared of what's going to come up? And I thought, I'm in control of this. And I want to listen to the adventure. And I was like, you know what? If I've got cancer, fucking bring it on. This is going to be a great story. Yeah. Like how you overcome it kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, well, not even that. Just like, just the life journey. Not needing yeah. to be anybody, but just be like, the life journey. Like, if I have. And then, obviously, I went. And it turned out and I haven't. Mm. And I was like, I'm so glad that I didn't worry if I had cancer or not. Mm. And the thing That's is... powerful. Shows you in a very uh, strong, strong position. Yeah. And I was like, you know... Like I say to people now, like I've worked with people who've had cancer and I say to them like, do you not see, like we were saying, do you not see the beauty of life? Do you not see the magical adventure that you're going to have? Well, yeah, this is a, well, the biggest part of my journey. I lost my dad six years ago and he had cancer and I was kind of caring for him a bit the last four months and it was very, very intense and difficult and everything. Um, but that was like a rebirth for me because it made me realise how precious life is. Like I took everything for granted before that. Mm. wasn't really grateful for anything. Um, I, I did a lot of fun things, enjoyed life generally, but never like truly, you know, that deep gratitude. You're like, fucking hell, I'm alive. And you just breathe. It's so good. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what these things teach you. Mm. Like, you know, death, like my granddad, he's, uh, he's had a stroke and uh, he's got a little bits going on with him and he spoke to me and he was really like hesitant of the conversation, but he knows you know, how open I am about things. And uh, he was saying, you know, if I die, this is blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, that's okay. Like, for me, death is like going to the shops. Mm. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's an, if there's one thing you can be sure about in life, that is you're going to die. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know from my head and I feel, I know and I feel that I am going to die. Yeah. In my body. My but, soul may but, not. But no one's got out of here alive yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, the body hasn't. But yeah, physically. So he was talking to me about it and I was saying to him, like, it's okay. I said, you know, life's beautiful. Do you not see that? When's the last time you'd seen the sun? You know, woke up in the morning and just lay in bed and gone, God, can you hear the birds? Yeah. I'm alive. Like, there's people out there who, who don't even recognise how much of a beautiful gift we have. Mm. And it's your perception and how you flip that consciousness that makes that difference. Yeah, well, to me, that's what all this is about. This podcast, my festival, everything. It's about raising that awareness and actually, like, taking things in, if you like. Because um, it does take these, you know, practices to kind of shift that mm-hmm. awareness, doesn't it? Well, it's or really... sometimes things do just happen to you as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mix, isn't it? But sometimes we <laughs> cause chaos around our lives to create the change within it. And sometimes we don't recognise we need to change. Um, but yeah, th- and you're right, things do come for you. You know, mm. things do happen. Like I've had people come to me and they've taught me some really good, like people have come for like sessions with me and I've taken something away. Like I say to people, like, you don't understand how much I get away, get out of the sessions as well. Yeah. Like you think you're getting healing, but I'm getting a lot from it as well. Yeah, I think there's a quote, it's like, uh, everyone and everything is my guru. Yeah, it is. If you have that mentality, um, it humbles you for starters, which is always a good thing. And um, secondly, you're always learning, aren't you? Like from everyone. Yeah. Well, when you learn that everybody is you, you can make the life a little. You can make the world a little bit easier. When somebody's you know shouting and screaming and kicking and whatever, you're like, it's okay, because I know really you're me. You're just playing a role right now, and I love you. I love you for who you are. 
I love you for all the deep, dark shit you've got going on. The same as my dad, you know, going away for that long time and for what he did. I don't hold any kind of hate or any kind of despise against him. I love him for what he did because if he didn't play that role this lifetime and take away somebody's life, then I wouldn't be who I am now. I wouldn't be the torch that's passing on the flame for others. But I've got to say, I'm inspired by all this because you say this and um, it's helped you on your path, but I think there's an element of what you do with it because there's other people, you know, that hate for the rest of their life, resentful to their dad, go out and do similar things, abuse their kids. So, you know, you've got to take a lot of... Um, I don't know if pride's the right word, but yeah, self-love for what you've done with that and become such a compassionate, important person to the community because you're helping change people's lives. Yeah, maybe. And I think, you know, one of the things I'm working through now is like I do say to people, like, I am nobody because I'm not really. Every, everybody sees me differently. So who am I? Mm. Who am I really? And we, like we said, tomorrow you someone else. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can have 10 people around me and go, who are I? Like, 10 people tell you a different version of who I am, so I am truly nobody. And I will say that. But the flip side, of it, do I... Do I think... I think all of us have this real feeling, this calling of being something more. And it doesn't mean that we're trying to be somebody, but it's because we are the universe. We're far more powerful than we realise... I think I feel like things naturally when they evolve, don't they? Whether it's a plant, mm. an animal, human, it's like that. Yeah, I don't know, universal force. Yeah, well, you know, you you can't find your own head, right? If I said to you, find your own head, mm. you'll go, well, if I look in here, I don't know what the hell I look like. I need a mirror mm. to see it, don't I? Yeah. So we all play mirrors for each other and play off. So when we find something so difficult around us, it's a reflection back of ourselves. It's very true, definitely. Whew, this has been intense. <laughs> Living it. Um, so yeah, there's a few little things that are written down way to cover. Um, we've talked a bit about that. Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about dad life because we're both both fathers. Yeah. Uh, how, how old are your kids? So JJ, he's six, and then we got uh, Jason calls him Ackle, uh, but Axel. Uh, wife named him and he is four months old now yeah. uh sorry five months old now and you know because my dad was never there and i always struggled to find a father figure my granddad was there but my friend pk who you'll meet he's really good for it. i feel the emotions coming up because he's amazing you know i really love that guy and i really love my granddad so for me not having my dad there has allowed me to change the story that my kids have. Because I want to make sure I'm there for them. And I think... As much as it hurts to say that I never had my dad, I know my kids will. It's powerful, man. So being a dad is probably one of the most greatest gifts. <laughs> you know, so. um, 
It is. And I think there's a lot of people who don't recognise how beautiful life is. A kid show you the purpose of life. Because when I return home and I leave my body, I'm not going to be able to be a father. It's one of the greatest human experiences we can have. And I know that if I look back at my mum, I know she tried her best and there was things that weren't perfect, but we understand the word perfect now. It all serves great purposes and I know that sometimes I haven't always been there for my little boy because I've been busy trying to do something really in the masculine energy. Um, But, you know, the shamanic work that I have really helps me find that balance and really come in with the family a lot more. So, yeah, being a dad, it's it's incredible. Yeah, huge journey, isn't it? And um, again, we've talked a lot about the kind of ego. It forces you out of that um, self-centeredness, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden you've got this massive responsibility. Um, and also, obviously, your heart just kind of like to another level, isn't it? Opens your heart. To me, it helped me become more compassionate because you kind of see the child in everyone. Like you said, people you see in angry and you can kind of yeah. be compassionate. To me, I just see like the little kid that hasn't, you know, had the love it needed or hasn't mm-hmm. um, got the t- the right tools to kind of overcome this stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a constant journey of teaching and energy expansion. Kids, kids teach you. Yeah, everybody around you teaches you. Like you were saying earlier about, you know, everything's the guru. Yeah. Kids are the greatest Zen masters. <laughs> Teach you yeah. how to be calm and present as well. They're like, oh man, they are so switched on. Like, my, I mean, for those parents who are listening, you'll know and you'll know what I'm about to say. But kids, like JJ's, like wittiness mm. of like his attack, like he wanted to go to Lego Land, right? We had quite a lot going on and financially and stuff as well. And I was like, yeah, we will go Lego Land, but this was like the wrong time of the year at the, that point. This was like early last year. And we're like, no, no, we'll go. And he was like, well, why can't we go? And my wife was like, well, it's not very warm. You know, it's raining. It's not very nice. And, you know, we haven't got that much money at the minute. We've just got to be careful because, we you know, we're sorting stuff out, you know, buying the house and different, well, sorting the house out, different things. And um, and then one day he went uh, he went to Kashu. He said, uh, mommy, is it, uh, is it nice out today? It's like, yeah, is it warm today? Yeah, yeah, it's warm. Okay, are we doing anything today? No, no, we're not doing anything. Okay. Um, can we go Legoland? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, he learned these like obstacles. Yeah. So he recognised that those obstacles weren't there and he took opportunity of it. Uh, okay. And we were like, no, it's a bit too late. So we surprised him with going to Legoland. Oh, nice. We did take him. Did he love it? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely loved it. And um, it was a great gift to see, like, his excitement. Like, it really brings you great joy. Like, something I've learned is seeing joy in others gives you joy as well. Yeah. Oh, it's a massive thing for me because, like, little, it's little things you take for granted, isn't it? Like, I go for a walk with my little one, I don't know, probably, like, three times a week, say. And, like, the tiniest little thing, like, a leaf... She can pick it up and she's like amazed. You like remind you of the the miracle of life. Yeah. Because when you're caught up in your own shit, like you, you know, the doing, the day to day things, 
Um, you kind of lo- lose a lot of that, mm-hmm. don't you? And then they bring you back to it. They're like, "Wow, this is all everything's amazing." Well, it's it's really it's really amazing. And you watch how certain traits come through your kids, and you watch like I can see the difference. Obviously, Axel's very young at the moment, but I can see the difference of Jason to who I was to who I am now, and I can see some of the traits coming through him. And I just try and help him change and shape those parts. I mean, as a kid, I was always in the garden. I was always picking bugs up and messing around with the spiders and finding crickets and all that sort of stuff. Um, Jason's not really like that. He's very much a different soul. And yesterday I was in the garden. We're doing a little bit of planting. He's like, Daddy, look, there's a worm. It's like, yeah. And then I was seeing this bug and he was like, ah, really laughing. And I was like, come and have a look at it. Where's its eyes? And trying to get him to really see it. So I think, yeah, I think kids do show us how to be that inner child because I really love that part of me being a kid. Yeah, yeah, me too. And it's kind of like, because again, with the spiritual stuff, sometimes if you're not careful, it can get very heavy, can't it? And you become too serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and having, having Bonnie to kind of allow me to let go of that and just enjoy things more and just be fun and playful and... Yeah, lose a bit of the heaviness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think we, we do think that we've got uh, everything's Like, I say to people, like, sometimes, yeah, we can do as much shadow work as we want, but, like, you're going to just keep digging and digging and digging and digging. Like, you're never really going to ever get to the end of it. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to learn to enjoy life. And when it comes up, you work with it. But you get to a certain point and you recognise, you build awareness. You build the awareness of your life, what's going on. And then at some point you go, okay, shadow work, like we'll work with you as you come up now. I don't need to keep going back into the past and all these different things. And I think think we get really caught up in like not feeling good enough. Mm. And because we don't feel good enough, we try to justify it with doing shadow work. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I get what you mean. That was a cool thing for me, again, that men's workshop Sunday. Because I kind of recognised how far I'd come. And I was thinking, actually... You know, there's stuff here that I can really take with me and it's going gonna, it's gonna to help me, but the actual real deep shadow work, I don't feel that there's anything to do. I was like, that just feels really good to just think about that. Um, You've done, done deep work? Yeah, because it, it is hard, isn't it, to go to them places. Um, and, you know, there's still work <clears> to be done, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying it was nice, yeah, just to know that I've come a long way and done a lot of the gritty stuff that needs to be done. Yeah, doing. and you know, I think... <coughs> I think it's difficult to accept and to give yourself that pat on the back to say, you know what, you have come really far. Because it's not something I ever think about, to be honest. Like you were saying it about, I think we were talking about it earlier and I was almost building up to it. But I don't really sit here and think, oh, you know, you're doing great. You're doing a fantastic job. That's not something that I particularly do. Um, but I think it's definitely something that I should do. Yeah. And I think that's a great gift to have. Yeah. And realisation to have that you've got. Yeah, I think uh, more recently, it's a, a recent thing, I think I can actually pat myself on the back of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. And it can yeah. be comfortable. Again, I think that's very much ingrained in our culture in the UK. It's like, you know, never really sh- show too much confidence or self-love. Yeah. It's all about like, you know, even the human idea itself, deprecating humour. Um, that's something I think the, the Americans actually do well they're like you know I, I fucking love yeah. myself 
And then that, there's no guilt around it. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, while you just saying it, I was thinking, well, actually, have, have I? And I'm thinking, well, maybe not in everyday life, but I remember I've, I flew to Spain this year because I've got a retreat in Spain. And I remember being on the plane with my mate on the way back. And I've been dreaming to do, um, you know, a, like, go abroad. Like, I've always said, like, I want to travel. The reason why I've got the bell tent, which everybody will see, is because I don't want to be static. I don't yeah. want to be in a location. I want to move. Maybe that that's the Amazonian part of me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't really yeah. have a home. Um, I just want to keep moving. And I was going to keep away from the tides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I said... Um, I said, I said to my friend, he says, you know, like, I've been dreaming this. Like, I've done it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we've got to do the workshop. Um, but to be able to, like, fly out with my own business as such, you know, yes, I can bring my medicine, but, you know, I have to be able to pay bills, so let's call it a business. But to be able to do that and do the work, I'm like, God, you know, that's actually really quite a great gift to be able to have and you do realise actually as I'm sitting here reflecting that how far you have come yeah and that you were talking about the blessings in the corporate world because we've talked about this in private conversations yeah. like skills you need uh, like more you know practical material skills you need in day to day life to actually implement that um, but also you appreciate doing what you love so much more because you know them dark days where you literally have to drag yourself out of bed just to get into work you've kind of go for all that don't you so helps you appreciate it absolutely absolutely you know and it's just you know ultimately it's what you do with the information that's more important isn't it yeah you know it's what you do with it It, you have the power of doing it all it's like when you know as our ancestors first had fire in their hands Mm. what do you do with it yeah you know do you cook do you keep yourself warm? Do you burn down the next village? <laughs> exactly. What do you do with it? That's what's important. It's about the intention. When we realise that the whole world around us is all set on intention, then that's what's more important. 100%. And, um, yeah, we're going to talk about the festival in a minute and what Ryan's going to be doing there. Uh, last question, because he's super, super intuitive. Like when I went to work with him... <laughs> And he's, he's mentioned about the body language. He picked up on things. He's like, oh, you're always rushing out. And I was like, oh, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> and I need to s- slow down. And that's for someone who's teaching meditation and things. Uh, hard for me to admit. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you think that's like a, a God-given talent, something you've kind of had to cultivate or a mixture of the two, hmm. the in- intuitive side? I think perhaps my experiences of life and people watching and being in those tricky situations where somebody's, you know, threatening you and you almost have to listen to body language and learn to communicate. So I don't know where it's come from. I think all of us have got the ability to do it. Some of us are slightly better at doing certain things than other people. doesn't mean that you're not good enough. The same as like if you're an Olympic swimmer, and you've won a gold medal, doesn't mean you're necessarily going to win a gold medal running 100 metres. So it's recognising what your gifts are. So I don't really know where it kind of came in, if that makes sense. I think I've just always naturally had this ability to just feel, really just know what's going on. Now, this could be from past life stuff. It could be the natural progression of what I'm doing now. It's Mm -hmm. just who I am. I really don't know. Um, but I think ultimately, 
my awakening, let's say, reawakening with the beautiful brownies and the paramedics. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that really shaped me because when I did that very first um, class when we were asked to read flowers, so you, you brought a flower with you. You don't know who's got the flower. Um, so you basically bring the flower, you hide it away from everybody, and then you pick a random flower. You don't know whose it is. And you look at the flower and you read it. And I was saying this about this lady. She's got this many kids. This is going on in life. There's a bit of turmoil. And I'm like, where the hell's all this coming from? And I was bang on. Mm. And it just comes through that like now. I mean, as you know, I can just look at somebody and go, right, that's that, that, that. You've got a pain here. This is what's going on there. Oh, who's that person? Like I said to somebody, I did a cord cutting with them not long ago. I was like, who's Ash? Ex-partner Ash. And she goes, hmm, I don't know who that is. I was like, okay. I said, it could be wrong, but go away. And anyway, she um, she came back and she went, oh my God, Ryan. She said, what? I said, what? She said, uh, that was my very first boyfriend. And there was a cord between them two. Okay. So I don't know where the intuition comes from. Um, but yeah, it's there. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't know. Yeah, because I'm intuitive in a, in a different way. And I feel like it is like a, a natural talent. But I do feel like you can cultivate it as well. Yeah. Like for example... This is why I'm really into like the health side of things as well. I feel like if you've got a lot of toxicity in your body, I don't know, like alcohol, things like that, I feel like it can stop the flow, especially mm. with like the pineal gland. Um, and then like, you know, ayahuasca, even cannabis can um, activate the pineal gland, things like that. So I do feel like it's yeah, a bit of a mix between the two. Yeah, absolutely. Um Maybe that has. I mean, because I've always been really good. Like I said, as a kid, I was always like, really lucid dreaming. Like I remember Spirit, and I didn't know this at the time, but like I used to wake up convinced that I had sweets under my pillow because there used to be people in my dreams and they would put sweets under my pillow as a gift. And I couldn't tell the difference behind it, like between it. So maybe me being born dead means that I am in between both worlds because being a shaman, a shamanic practitioner, whatever words we want to use, it doesn't really matter. You have to be able to live within both worlds. So I, I can't say if that moment changed it, but maybe that is what has developed it more. And maybe as I've done more with the medicine, like I do not need a lot of medicine. Yeah. Like I I'm can, very sensitive to substances yeah, as well. <laughs> I, I can work with like two gram of uh, mushrooms or like, well, yeah, let, let, let's say that I can work with two gram and I can disappear into the absolute bliss of nothingness and yeah. go meet the creator. Mm. You know, on two, I'll lose my body and everything. Mm. That's how receptive I am. I think I'm just very good at surrendering in. Okay. Maybe I don't mm. know, but I'm. But then, like when I worked with Happy, um, I'm not going to mention the gentleman's name, but I love you very dearly. You know exactly who you are. <laughs> um, he made some Happy, and we sat in the forest, and he uh, blew his tobacco up for me, and I listened to the tobacco, uh, the Happy, the tobacco. And it wasn't really taking me anywhere. It was a bit like scatty. And I said to him I said, afterwards, I said, look, I said, I don't mean to say this rude. I said, but it doesn't feel like there was enough intention. It feels very scatty, very rushed. Mm. And he looked at me and he went, I can't believe you said that. I said, why? He said, well, because I forgot to do it last night and I rushed it this morning before you come and got me. Mm. So I'm extremely good at listening to medicine and i know and like the happy that i work with i've learned to talk to it mm. and um i'm currently in the process of working with cambo as well so oh, yeah. I'm, i will be uh giving everybody cambo later this year obviously i'll be doing it in the retreat 
So in the process of learning and listening and talking, you have to administer yourself first to listen to its medicine and be able to understand how it comes. So like when I do, you know, plant medicine now, not that I do it in the UK, um, you know, if somebody disappears into the abyss of nothingness, I know how to bring them back now because yeah. I've been to the depths of the darkness. Yeah. And as we started, you can have these dark moments to bring that compassion and the understanding through. So <coughs> you have to throw yourself into the deep darkness mm. to get it. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, it's such an important thing because there's a lot of like pretenders these days, isn't there? Um, that, you know they've done mushrooms once and they call themselves a shame and they're hosting these things and haven't really been to any like you know depth of experience well every ceremony is different some of them are easy some of them are difficult and you have to you have to just surrender into it and sometimes I remember I did one with a friend of mine and uh, it's really funny because it changes your perception and allows you to see things and I couldn't talk to him because I thought I was upsetting him everything I said. He's like, he's literally laughing at me, but I couldn't see past it. And obviously we had to talk about it afterwards and integrate it. Like what we have to recognize is that medicine, as great as these stories can sound, people don't like talking about the difficult things. You know, everybody wants to try and talk about what's great about medicine instead of going, you know, these are difficult. Yeah. And sometimes actually people get really focused on the negative of stuff. It's finding that fine balance, but it's really important to understand that when you work with a medicine, you have to integrate it. You have to understand it. If something's difficult about it and you don't like something about it or maybe the facilitator or you or whatever it is, you have to recognise sometimes a reflection of yourself. Yeah. And you have to recognise what it is that's going on. But you have to talk about it. Yeah, and I think another big part for me is like actioning what you learn in there. Mm-hmm. Um, because... There's people I've met on, on the path that, like, I don't know, next thing you know, they're doing Aya, like, every other weekend or something, and you can't really process it, can you, and implement it into your no. life? Because that's the important bit, what you're doing in the in the real world. Because um, what happens in there is there to teach you things to take yeah. in, into the world, isn't it? Well, it's like, I mean, I try and say people, like, I do joke. I know I've got the, the beard of Jesus, um, <laughs> but I do joke and I say, like, look, I'm not Jesus. I'm not going to magically heal you in one go. Neither does Aya. Look how powerful she is. She doesn't heal you. She uncovers, she removes energy blocks, like you were saying, like laughing and different yeah. stuff. But it's what you do with the information that's more important. So when people come in and have shamanic healing sessions, for instance, they expect to be blown away, which a lot of the time they are. Um, but it's the work you do afterwards, and it uncovers things like you know, it opens doorways for other things. Yeah. yeah. And the thing I say to people, it's like, if you think about a river that's polluted and blocked and there's like, a, you know, a load of sticks and mud and clay and different things that have slowed the flow down of life as you were talking about the energy through the body. If we remove those blockages, the water flows much faster through, the energy flows faster, life force comes through faster. But think about all that substrate that's all been resting. It all comes up, doesn't it? It gets murky. Yeah. So it's really important to recognise that there's work to do after the healing. Mm. So you shouldn't be working with Mother Aya every other weekend or mm. maybe once or twice a year is more than enough. Depending, yeah. like depending on what you do. If you're a shamanic, if you're a shamanic practitioner or shaman and you're learning to work with Aya, which at some point I will do, she's told yeah. me and I've felt that calling, but time hasn't come yet. I've got some more foundations mm. to build. 
um, you know, we have to recognize that there's work to do afterwards. Like if you come for a shamanic healing session with me, we will uncover things. I'll tell you what it is that's going on, but it means that we have to still continue clearing up afterwards. Yeah. And it's really important that people, when they find it difficult for the first week, that we talk about it. So you understand what the new lessons are yeah. and how it uncovered. And you go, God, yes, that's how I do it. And if you feel really tired, you know, you go, well, how are you recharging yourself? Because that's showing you the deep blockages have happened and we removed it. But how are you now recharging yourself? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I liked about working with you because you like checked in on me for the next like I don't know week or so, whatever it was after, which is a really important thing because a lot of people can just kind of like leave you out there, and that's the that's the important bit. Also, I feel like you're a lot more in tune to like messages, and it's kind of like listening to those messages yeah. um, from the, the universe the next few days after. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it yeah. can be all sorts. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I've worked with people. It doesn't always happen. Every session's different. But you know, I've had dreams before. People have come to me, and I had somebody come to me, and I've seen them. Um, they were by this like water generator power plant thing and whatever. And and I said, I thought I knew who it was, and I said, explained it to him, and it turned out there was soul loss there, and it turned out he'd fallen through the ice. So I had to go back and retrieve his soul part from it for mm. him and the dream show me. So I do. And, and I think it's really important to recognize that as busy as I am and how many people I talk to, I do try my best to make sure that I'm there for everybody because I don't want to be in a situation where I just hear and go, right, see you later. Mm. Bye. You know, I genuinely care. Yeah. But that's yeah, why I, can, I call the heart shaman. You can tell that. I, I care. I was sitting, I'll cry with you if we need mm. to. we we'll fucking cry together today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we, we'll do it man we'll work through it you mm. haven't got to do it on your own I'm here for everybody because that's the one thing we forget about is that we can't do it alone we need each other yeah and y yes we some people may see it as doing a business but I'm not doing that I'm I'm here with you forget the labels forget that mm. I'm here to do the work with you yeah it's on a different level so absolutely following up afterwards is really important for me yeah awesome Awesome. Well, that leads me nicely. Um, we're going to start wrapping it up. How long have we been on? A lot longer than we probably realise. Okay, yeah. Um, hour and 42. Something like that. Yeah, nearly a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's flown by. We loved it. Um, so, yeah, just tell, tell us a bit more about what you got planned at Himley Hall, because next week, yeah. I don't know when this is exactly going out, but on the Sunday the 30th of April, we've got our first Soul Medicine Festival event of the year at Himley Hall. And uh, Ryan is doing sh uh, shamanic practices out of his bell tent. So yeah, so, yeah, so <clears throat> we're going to um, we're going to open sacred space together. So we're going to call in and invoke the spirits of the east, the south, the west, and the north. So check in, listen is to it, those. Is this the um, introduction to shamanism? Th this workshop? is the taster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is the taster. We've got two of those in the. Yeah, we've got six tickets left, by the way. So if you want one, if you've loved this, which I'm sure a lot of you have. There's only six left, so jump jump straight on it if you want one of those tickets. Yeah, and um, so we're gonna we're gonna subject to you know how well everybody can listen in. We don't know what the sound level is going to be like, so it's gonna be new for everybody. But we're gonna talk about the spirit of the drum, the rattles, and I'll pass them all around. You can all talk and you know feel the medicine off those, and um, talk a little bit about what shamanism is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not really something we spoke about today, um, but we will on that. So we're understanding that shamanism is all around the world and different stuff. And then we're going to um, do a shamanic journey then and understand what a shamanic journey is. So, you know, we've been talking about plant medicine, but 
as you know, meditation is very powerful, but shamanic journeying is like a meditation, but you're actually going out to retrieve information. Mm. And you can, um, I mean, I'll talk to this about people. You can actually re- like go to places and visit people's homes, which I teach people how to do something called remote <laughs> viewing. Yeah. So I've, I've heard of that. Yeah, so I, I do remote viewing. I've got some drawing stuff to show people and whatever. And and um, I've got people who have come to my groups, the development groups that have also done that. And so shamanic journey is really powerful. So you're going to connect with your power animal. And everybody's power animal is different. Um, and really connect and bring that through. But then what we're going to do, we're going to talk about it in community. We're going to sit in that circle and we're going to talk and understand why that power animal's come to you. Now, at that time, I'll be listening and you see I'm touching here, I'll be listening to what it is that that power animal's offering. So you'll get a lot of guidance actually from that day. Some of you may receive real good healing and some of you may, well, most likely will receive some real great knowledge from that day. And it's just a really small little taster. Um, but, you know, I'm going to be there the whole of the day. So I'm offering like, you know, taster healing sessions as well. And I'm actually doing, I think it's about, I can't remember now, 12 o'clock, one o'clock-ish. I'm going to put a board outside, thanks to Alex. I've got my board now. Um, I'm going to put a board outside. And I'm actually going to do a, um, like a, a public demonstration of a shamanic healing in my bell tent. So if everybody wants to cram themselves in and check that, then absolutely uh, come and check it out. Come and check out. Um, and you'll be watching me just kind of understanding the body and listening and working according to spirit and different stuff. Um, just to give you a little demonstration. So whoever would like to do it, if you've got in mind, then ask spirit because they will tell me and I'll choose somebody random. Um, so yeah, there's there's that. And then obviously there's said taste at 15, 20 minute taster sessions for you to actually just have a little experience of what a shamanic healing session feels like and how it can work for you. Epic, epic. So yeah, guys, um, even if you haven't got the, the tickets, like a separate ticket, Introduction to Shamanism Workshop, if you haven't got that, you've got a normal ticket, there's still um, availability throughout the day for these other options that you can uh, pay extra for in Ryan's tent. And you're also going to stick around for a bit at the end, aren't you, if people want to talk? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be there for the whole of the day. Epic. So yeah, it's 9am till 7pm. I think you finish in about four or five, aren't you? And then you're there for conversation. Yeah. People can come around and talk to me. I think four o'clock, I think we were saying, weren't yeah. we? Yeah. So if you want to come and see me at four o'clock, come and see the big bow tent, come and see the man with the big beard. And most likely, this is very calm shirt for me, isn't it? This is <laughs> yeah. very downplay yeah. for me. So you'll most likely see me in one of my, uh, my weird shirts. Funky shirts. <laughs> They're epic. They're epic. Um, so yeah last thing before we go uh, where can people follow you find out about your services or if there's anything in particular coming up outside the festival you want to mention um well obviously they can find me on facebook the heart shaman um you can find me on instagram again the heart shaman um you'll see that i put daily posts on there about mindset different things really it's not it's sometimes you get a little bit about me mm-hmm. um it's been really quite nice to talk and obviously there's a lot more to uncover through it um but yeah, they can find me on there. If you want to have a shamanic healing session with me, um, you can go onto my website, which is theheartshaman.co.uk, um, which you can find on Google. Um, and then you can book uh, a session with me through Booksy. So I'm available all week, but it tends to be that most people book me up Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so available. <laughs> yeah, it's a good job I don't really care what day of the week it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can book and have a shamanic healing session with me. Um, I recommend most people um, have a double session for the first time because it really allows us, as you recognize, like there's a lot to uncover sometimes and there's a lot of work that can go um, through and recognize that 
it's not putting a plaster on. Mm. We got some deep work. And um, as much as I hold everybody in my heart, I always speak truth. And it's not for me to be there for you to love me or to like me or to hate me or whatever. And uh, I say to people who do one-to-one mentorship with me, if you want to learn how to live shamanically, I always say, listen, you're going to love me and you're going to hate me. And the people that have worked with me and do work with me so far, they know exactly what that means because I make us work through those things that we don't like. And I will say to you, the parts of you that you find uncomfortable... yeah they're the people that change your life there that can be just 100% honest that's what it is isn't it it's like you say you're not trying to be you know make them feel good or bad you're just being 100% honest yeah being honest you know it's up to you it's like if you think about I won't go down this road too much but if you think about you know if somebody says something to me right I'm in control of that door of information that comes through it's my choice on how I deal with it that's my karma Mm. right but if you get upset with something that I say, that's your karma. Yeah. As long as I make sure that I speak from my heart, and I've learned this lesson, as long as I make sure I speak from my heart, then I know that I've had the right intention from it. Yeah. And I'm more scared of not speaking my truth. Mm. Nice. Good place to be. <laughs> yeah. So obviously I've got the retreat in Spain. Um, that's six-day shamanic retreat. That's going to be incredible. There's going to be a lot of shadow work. It's going to be a lot of understanding what your story is of your life. Um, it's getting you out of comfort zone. We are in the middle of nowhere. It's a 25-minute drive to get to the nearest house, oh. village. <laughs> in uh, Catalonia. Catalonia, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got a really beautiful lady, um, Blue, who is really well known, travels around the world doing yoga. So she's going to do 90-minute yogas with everybody. So I've convinced her to stay for you all because I can't do yoga. I'm not that stretchy. <laughs> um, Me neither. Yeah. That's why I stuck with meditation. <laughs> yeah. couldn't, couldn't get into half the positions. Yeah. Really. So we can do a few different ceremonies. We're going to do a fire ceremony um, to transform those energies. We're going to make an offering ceremony to our ancestors. We're going to do a tobacco ceremony. So be prepared to be sick. Um, <laughs> we're going to do some plant medicine as well with me. And those that wish to can also do some cambo. It's important to note there that um, plant medicines are legal aren't they, in Spain. So obviously, if if you're worried about that side of things, it's a good place. Yeah, to different it. different place to do it. And obviously, you know, plant medicine can be used in many different terms. So don't uh, look into that too much. You know, as I said, I don't work with AS. So be mindful and ask me personally what yeah. I mean by plant medicine. Yeah, you know, because we could, you know, you could call a herbal tea a plant medicine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we? yeah. It's a very broad stretcher, isn't it? Absolutely. No, I, I knew it wouldn't be higher, but I thought possibly you were doing some mushrooms. I wasn't sure. Yeah. So those who wish to ask, please ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got some, I've got a double rooms, uh, so a double bed room, uh, well, rooms, uh, two single bed rooms, and then we've got a room that's next to the shower room, so slightly different cost for those that want to be there, yeah. but perhaps don't quite have the financial ability to do. I've made sure that I've given everybody that different flexibility um, to be able to do it. And then, um, you know, we're going to take over to the water. Oh, there's an absolutely incredible, incredible river that flows through, natural spring that causes the water. Oh, it, it's incredible. I've seen a couple of videos from her place. looks stunning. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Really, really looking forward to holding the space and uncovering and allowing us to be in community. And and I will be available 24 
hours of the day. So if you and those who know me know that I regularly wake up very early, like 2am, 1am is good for me. I don't matter. It doesn't bother me. So if you need to come and see me, you know, you wake up, you've had, you know, some thoughts or you're struggling to go to sleep, come and get me and say, Ryan, I need some help. Because I'm not there just to hold the space and go, right, see, like, this is a holiday. I'm there to hold the space for you in all levels. If you need a hug, I'm there for you. And if you need to come and speak to me at three o'clock in the morning because something's really difficult and you need to get it out, come and see me. Mm. You you aren't just coming to join a workshop, a, you know, a, a retreat and just be kind of left on your own. You're, you're buying into a part of me. You're, you're buying my knowledge and my gifts and my true care and my heart. Yeah. There's more in that retreat than you'll ever imagine. Okay. Wow. Well, there you go, guys. Have a look at that for sure. Um, a good thing to do because the, the event's only a week away. Come to the event and then get a feel for Ryan, talk to him and uh, find out about this retreat in more detail because it sounds phenomenal. So yeah, guys, that's it for today. Um, firstly, big love to everyone for watching this. It's been a long podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I've loved it. Um, thank you to Ryan for coming on. Love you, brother. Love Thank you, man. You. Thank you very much. It's been much. really nice to connect with you the last few months. And yeah, see everyone next week for the festival. Have you got any closing? Just want to say, everybody, you know, come with your hearts. Um, love everybody. You're all going to get a hug. And I ask that everybody on that day hugs everybody. I just want, I don't want no handshakes. I want everybody to grab everyone and give each other a hug. Love it. So I want to be walking around the festival and everybody goes, there's, there's the Jesus beard guy. <laughs> Go, he said we got a hug and I want to see everybody hugging. You we need, don't do enough of it. Yeah. You need like a little plaque outside the tent, free hugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might do. I might do. You spend all your day hugging there. You, uh, you know, to the, I've the been hug. told that people say I give the best hugs. Yeah. Because I mean it genuinely, I'll hug you because I love you. Yeah. You know, there's been times I've done cacao ceremonies and I've cried at the end and just sounded everybody how much I love them. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, yeah. I gotta do. I can feel it, mate, for sure. Right, guys. Well, peace out and um, we'll see you all very soon. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, brother.